you know, he's a he's a great receiver, uh, has great ball skills, you know, has great routes. So um, I'm excited to see what he does for us this season. For sure. I don't think the game's over. Welcome to Triple Zeros, the anti-hot take sports show. I'm your host, Josh Buckhalter. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Josh Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports, website, clockersports.com, and the email address is clockersports at gmail.com. Um, listen, had to check that game, man. It's been far, far too long, but uh, we just had the Bears' first preseason game week one. As you know, I've been attending camp. Uh, the majority of camp, I think I've missed like a couple of practice here and there, but I'm not the one out here trying to make the team. I'm just trying to cover the team as best as I can. And we've noticed a few things, a few trends that have actually played uh, over – carried over rather into the game that we saw on Saturday against the Kansas City Chiefs, a 19 to 14 win. So we're going to talk about that. I'm also going to talk about, you know, cut down days coming up on Tuesday. So who, what guys um, have kind of risen and fallen in that one game. It's only one game. So you hate to overreact to it, but cut down days Tuesday. You only have so much time. So we're going to talk about that as well. Also going to switch gears to talk about some of the Bulls happenings. Um, guys are take, partaking in summer league events, pro-am and stuff like that. Summer league. Wow. Pro-am and uh, individual and group workouts. So we're going to cover that as well. And of course, we're going to hit everything around the league. So before we go any further, let's make sure that we get it started. So the Chicago Bears beat the Kansas City Chiefs, like I said, 19-14. to 14. Uh, Justin Fields and the starters played about 20 snaps. He went uh, 4 for 7 for 47 yards, something like that, 4 for 8. Four for seven, 47 yards, no touchdowns, no turnovers. Uh, he got sacked a couple times. One of them was a really bad blow by. Uh, Chris Jones just went through Michael Schofield. And I wrote about this for last run of pro football in my uh, five rises and five fallers. Schofield is a faller, but I don't, I probably should have disclaimed it with, let's not overreact and say he's going to be cut, but he's definitely a faller in the, in the stock category because he just, uh, it, it, it did not look good. I'm going to put it that way. It's plain and simple. Um, Chris Jones is one of the best defensive linemen, interior defensive linemen in the NFL. So that's not that's not to say that you know he's not going to blow by guys. He's done it to plenty of guys before. Schofield is going to do it to plenty of guys in a regular season when he's actually really trying. But that therein lies the key. He might not have been trying his hardest. Uh, it was like the first series of the game. The Bears went three and out, had to punt, and like I said, it just didn't look good at all. He looked really bad in that rep. So you really hate to see that. Um, but he provides some veteran leadership. I wrote about that earlier that he and Riley Reef, who did not play in this game, and maybe Schofield, I put this in the article, maybe Schofield will look better with a more experienced veteran next to him at right tackle and Riley Reef. But I just was not impressed by what I saw uh, out of him. And off the line, honestly, is a big work in progress because you're still missing Lucas Patrick, your starting center, and um, you're having a, a, a fifth uh, – Fifth round rookie? Braxton Jones over there at left tackle trying to figure things out. And he actually acquitted himself very well. So I'm not I'm not trying to uh downplay him at all. I'm just saying it makes things tougher when one guy is not ready. Now, that not to say that Schofield should have get gotten blown past the way he did, but we'll give him another chance before we completely ride him off. I'm just saying, after one game, he is definitely one of the fathers of guys who were keeping an eye on. And a guy that I thought would come in and help solidify the offensive line. Has not really played out that way. There's still some shuffling going on. Uh, another guy who was on that list is actually Tevin Jenkins, who's a riser. He's a riser at right tackle because he came in, he played well, looked good. Um, Larry Borum is above him right now with the second team. So that tells you where Tevin Jenkins is after his long uh, absence. We'll just call it an absence. I they said it's an injury. I don't know about all of that. But they're wrapping him up still. He played right tackle for a good chunk of the game. Didn't do too bad. We'll see if he gets bumped up next game with Borum backing up 
uh, Braxton Jones at left tackle, where I think he might be better suited. Um, and honestly, if you're going to keep Borman at the right tackle, you're going to keep Reef there, let's give Tevin Jenkins a look at guard. He said he's open to it. I really think you should be able to see what he has. That was a position that a lot of scouts thought that he could play really well uh, in the NFL. And so if he's not going to be at your left tackle spot, he's not quite up there with the right tackle spot. Let's see what he does at right guard because I, you guys have a hole that's going to have to be filled. Even when Luke, Lucas Patrick comes back, you're, you don't really want to put Sam Mustafer over there. You don't really want to have Schofield over there. If he's going to get whooped like that, I'm not saying he will, but if, he's, if that's going to be a habit, we'll see coming up here when they take on the Seattle Seahawks next week on Thursday. Uh, but you gotta, you gotta figure out what you have. And at this point, why not see what you got with your youngest guy? You know, just get a, a group of younger guys out there. You still have white hair to be a veteran. Lucas Patrick is not, he's a new guy, but he's not a young guy. Um, and then you got Jones, Jenkins, and maybe Borman on the, on, in the other three spots, left tackle, right guard, and right tackle. We'll see how that all plays out, but just, just a quick observation there. Um, that was one of the things though that I think that, that kind of stood out. And you heard Justin Fields before the show, uh, talking about somebody, and that was Tajay Sharp. And Tajay Sharp also in my list of rises and falls. And here's the thing. I have been on this guy since he got to camp. I was telling some of the people around, you know, I've been following him since he was with Tennessee. He had the breakout. And then injuries happened. Re- regimes changed. And he just bounced around for a couple of years. Atlanta, Minnesota. Winds up here. Good size, 6'2". Good agility for his size especially. And I think that's what I uh, was waiting to see the most. And we kind of saw it play out a little bit um in camp but what we saw play out in, on saturday was his tremendous hands and i think that that was one of the things that um maybe even i was a bit surprised about just because i i knew that he had them but to see him on display in this way the concentration and i i you know he got a he had two catches in the game 44 yards but he had this nice play i think this was a 25 yarder from fields that even got the announcers to kind of you know comment on just exactly what we were seeing because he did so well with the with the the, the with coming down with the catch here Quarter. Yeah, second time they pushed the ball really downfield, and Shar, that's just excellent concentration Ooh, man. right there. It's really, the ball placement. Fields knows uh, the DB is in good position, but put. And so, like I said, I've been seeing him all camp. I was wondering what he was going to be able to do when he got into a game. He's kind of gotten a chance because of injuries to guys. Byron Pringle's been hurt. Dante Pettis has been hurt. Uh, 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 Nikhil Harry got hurt. Like, there's just guys dropping around him. Equinemia say Brown stayed healthy. Darnell Mooney's healthy. But I really do like what Tajay Sharp was able to bring. And then Justin Fields, as you heard him say there, um, he's excited to see what Sharp can do for this shit. So hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed that bowls well for a guy that I've been trying to keep my eye on since camp opened because I really do think that, uh, what, what we got there or what they have there is something that can, uh, really be useful because you don't really have enough of the, the, bigger guys that can move like that. Like I said, it, it, Byron Pringle is going to be a useful piece. I'm pretty sure of that. Uh, but I, I just am really excited to see what Sharp could possibly bring to this group. Just because, like Fields said, he's he's got the 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 hands and everything like that and uh, a really good uh, – been really de- delivering upon the opportunities that he's been presented with. So you want to see that keep happening. Um, hopefully that keeps happening. And then uh, maybe whatever shakes out because if there's nobody – there's no guarantees on this roster behind Arnell Mooney, honestly, even with – uh, uh, St. Brown and Pringle, that second spot is pretty open. Like, those guys aren't necessarily world beaters to where you couldn't see somebody usurping them if they had enough reps and enough time to show what they could do. I don't know if he'll get that with only three preseason games and, and who knows how much they'll play in the final and when they're going to do their dress rehearsal and all that kind of stuff. Um, but if, if, if there's a guy that I've been keeping an eye on that I would recommend anybody else watching out for on the offensive side, uh, that would be the, that would be him. It would be Tajay Sharp. So been a guy, like I said, that I've been watching since the beginning of camp, but really happy to see it playing out for him, uh, actively. That's really good to see. Um, 
there are some narratives that I said after the game that people need to just watch out for because honestly, again, it's for last one pro football because every game people overreact, right? But I just knew, and there were some out there. There's still some out there. People are pointing out, man, Justin Fields only went four for seven, but Trevor Simeon, Trevor Simeon went out there and balled out. That man had seven for 13, uh, threw for 89 yards and two touchdowns, had a 115.1 passer rating in the preseason opener against backups. Listen, I am a Trevor Simeon fan, Northwestern guy. Uh, I, I was uh, remarking throughout camp of how he was the most accurate quarterback of the group. However, they were asking him to do very specific things with his with his ball placement. He was not going deep down the field like they're going to see from Justin Fields. And I think that uh, let's take a step back and breathe a little bit because what we've seen from Simeon is a guy who can get you through a game or two, but you don't want to have to hit your wagon to him. Um, this is not Kyle Orton. Uh, I was talking with somebody up at camp about that, up at the house about that, actually, about how they kind of ran Kyle out of here because they were afraid of being wrong on their investment in Rex Grossman. But, man, this is not that. All right, Simeon's had some chances to start. Denver Broncos, I thought he would actually do something there. And, you know, n- no, it didn't work out. So, Simeon is, is, has been good in camp. He's a really good backup, really smart, cerebral quarterback. I think that will help Justin kind of uh, be able to, to take the field. Um, obviously a much better backup to have option than having Nathan Peterman, who I think is nothing more than a camp arm. Uh, but that, just, just stop. Just, just don't, don't entertain that whatsoever. Um, also Bears don't need Roquan Smith. Listen, I know that they didn't have the most challenging time against the Chiefs, right? But don't be fooled because there were a couple of read and react plays where the linebackers weren't as quick as they could be, and that's what I try to put in my three th- three narratives piece uh, to ignore as a preseason week one is just you know the instincts that that Roquan brings to the to, to the position I think are highly underrated. We know about his natural ability, we know about his tackling, led the league in tackles uh, since he's come in solos, third in, in total tackles since he's come in, um, but he doesn't turn the ball over, and that's that's always the knocking point when you try to talk about what his contract should be, but. When you look at it, what he means to a defense and his instincts, I'm not sure there are many linebackers with better instincts for the game, read and react instincts, than, than Roquan Smith. And not even necessarily having to read, just react, right, because you know what's about to come. That's where I think that it showed up the most that the Bears could truly, truly use Roquan Smith. Um, and, again, this was only briefly because it's pre- the, the preseason opener, but I, I'm not – I'm not one of the people who was like, oh, yeah, no, they totally don't need Roquan because they did some things against the Chiefs who were not really trying too hard. Mind you, the Chiefs came out in their first drive with Patrick Mahomes and company and marched down the field on an 11-play, 70-some-odd-yard drive with very little effort needed to uh, score a touchdown against the Bears. So I am not one to write them all completely and say, oh, hey, you know, Bears came back into the – no, well, it's preseason. Backups came in. Uh, and, and when the Chiefs had their main guys in there, it didn't seem like the Bears had much of a chance. So I just want to make sure that we're tempering expectations um, because people can tend to get a little ahead of themselves, and I just don't want to see that, man. It's, it's sad. You don't want to see that for people, right? You don't want nobody to get ahead of themselves. Um, we've also had some some standouts. What other performances that, we, that, we, that we've liked? Um, I've enjoyed seeing Kerry Blasick game in, in camp. Um, just his versatility. The coach, head coach Matt Eberflus, talking about he's got the whole route tree available to him. You don't really hear that about too many fullbacks. Um, a guy who's not been used heavily in his career, but I think could have a role in his Bears' offense that's, that's desperate for weapons to emerge. Um, Luke Getz's offenses offenses have not or did not last year, whatever. Again, he was not the coordinator last year with the Green Bay Packers, but still, um, they did not run heavy two back system. They did not utilize a fullback, but that could all change because of what Matt Eberflus wants to do with the Bears in his uh, under his vision. So 
we'll see how that all plays out. Who what else do I like? Who else? Who else has been a good one? Uh, my favorite practice player to watch on the defense is Lakeo London. He's just a vocal guy. He's always active. He's he's a big, nasty, feisty defensive lineman. Um, haven't heard much from him in the game, but he's been my favorite one of my favorite players to watch uh, in practice. Some of the things that you see that you saw on Saturday have been noticed. Uh, Jaquan Brisker broke on the ball. That dude's been everywhere in practice. Jack Sanborn, surprise to everybody on, in the, on, the, on the field, wasn't a surprise from watching him in camp because he's a guy who's constantly around the football and making plays. Um, uh, uh, was was okay with Matthew Adams and Jack uh, Joe Thomas uh, behind Nicholas Morrow. Again, like I said, the linebackers just kind of missed that instinctual play that Roquan Smith brings. But overall, I think what you saw on Saturday was a lot of what you've been seeing in camp. There's a lot of work to be done still, but it's coming along. There, There is a vision in place, and the Bears are buying in. The players are, and you can see what they're trying to do. My favorite part about all of it, I think, the game, that is, uh, was the different levels that Gessie had fields attacking, and then Simeon and Peterman as well. This offense is going to vary itself, and I, I think that that's something that was missing a lot of times last year is whatever they were trying to do, that's what they were trying to do until maybe the next series, and then by that point, it could probably be too late because you got scored on. Um, so I, I'm not trying to put uh, any raise on their win total or anything like that. I'm just saying you're going to see some signs this year of promise, and I think that that's going to change a lot of opinions about their offseason and how they're going about it because this is an evaluation year. People are upset they didn't do fields. I think you're going to see fields elevate a couple of guys. Um, his own play is going to stand out aside from whatever's going on around him, and I think that's going to help a lot of people also change their opinions on it. But more importantly, like I said, they have a plan, and that plan is being put in place, and they're 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 following it. I can't you can't knock it until you try it. Can't knock it until you see it. And so in that regard, I'm not going to jump down their throats and say, oh, my God, you guys should be doing this. Braxton Jones starting the left tackle looked really good, right? So, like, let's just go ahead and, and, and chill out here um, and see what all plays out of it. So uh, that's that's all I've got there. They're coming, Like I said, they, they take on the uh, Seattle Seahawks on Thursday for their second preseason game that is in Seattle. Um, camp starts back up or, you know, practice back up next week. I'm not sure that you're going to – see much more i don't know again i think they're gonna do their, their dress rehearsal for week three we'll see but i'm not sure how much more offense diversity you're gonna see but I, I would expect the offense to be even better obviously when you get a david montgomery a lucas patrick cole Komet, who also missed the game uh in there and then when you settle out this right receiver rotation i think it'd be better because then justin will know who he's throwing to it's not necessarily always about throwing to the best talent most talented guy it's about trusting the guy you're throwing to and sorting that out takes time once you get there, I think that then the offense will look a lot better than it does now. And again, it looks a lot better than it did when they started camp. Just off the cleanness, uh, Matt Eberflus talked about this. They didn't have any pre-snap penalties, very few penalties overall. And so that's something that I think that they could carry over with them into the next week and hopefully into the regular season and will bold well for their future. Like I said, I'm, there's some encouraging stuff going on, man. You don't want to say anything because it's still very, very early in their process. But you get Tevin Jenks to buy back in, and hopefully he can find a spot along that offensive line that could desperately use somebody with his talent. And then maybe you get Roquan Smith back in there in the heart of that defense, and you guys figure some stuff out. Um, other than that, it's week one of the preseason. I mean, it's good to have football back, but there's not too many deep, deep analysis things that you can take away from that. But please do check out the uh, two articles that I wrote resulting from that game in Last Word of Pro Football. Uh, the ignore these narratives after preseason week one and three Bears players. It's really three preseason narratives to, to ignore and five risers and fallers after the preseason 
opener. So check those out. You can follow everything, again, like I said, on clockersports.com. Everything that I write is aggregated there. Please also time out real quick. Didn't do this at the beginning of the video. Going to do it right now. Like, subscribe, share, rate, review, all that good stuff. Please, it helps me grow, helps get the message out more to more people uh, across the entire world as they try to find out some of the information that I think that I'm bringing. I'm hoping I'm entertaining, hoping I'm enlightening. So that being said, we are going to switch gears and talk about this Bulls offseason. The Chicago Bulls have been active. I'm talking about everywhere you look, they've been out here. And it's funny because for a team that a lot of the conversation is about their injuries, there's a lot of conversation that's also been about how they've been dominating pro leagues. DeMar DeRozan was getting three blocks in a row at one point in a, uh, I believe, a Drew League game. Might have been a crossover. I can't. They're playing so many, I've lost track at this point. But DeMar blocked somebody three times in a row. Uh, Dalen Terry dropped 56 in his crossover debut. Um, a lot of people made a big fuss about Patrick Williams getting a 14 and 14 double double. But I really believe that the superstar ceiling on Pat's not there. Um, but I think he can be, I think he can be Lonzo Ball. And by that, I mean a great connector who can be elite at what he does, even if he doesn't do everything that you thought he could. So Lonzo came in as, a, as this point guard savant and this, that, and the third, right? He, he was number two overall pick. And you probably wouldn't take him there in a redraft, but you can't tell me that Lonzo was a bust by what we saw in those brief 35 games before he got hurt last season. 40% from three, uh, 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 had that offense running hit ahead in transition, right? Lockdown defense on the perimeter. Him and Alex Caruso basically prevented Nikola Def- uh, Vucevic from getting exposed on defense. And when he went down and then Caruso went down, you saw what happened to Vooch going down the stretch. So, um, really encouraged by what I've seen from the Bulls getting work in. Terry, especially young guy has not stopped. Um, and, and, I think the most encouraging thing I have seen is that they've found time to get back together to work on stuff, got away from each other, and they're still working because, again, iron sharpens iron. Um, that was one of the things that Patrick Williams talked about following his workouts with DeMar DeRozan that summer from hell that DeRozan promised him. He said that, you know, DeMar gets up early and it's about lifting this, that, and the third. But he said one thing that he really noticed is that DeMar likes to challenge himself constantly. And that's showing up as well as they had recent workouts with uh uh, DeMar did with Boston Celtics star Jason Tatum and they shared Instagram posts of each other on uh, on Instagram just kind of praising each other uh, Debo told saying that uh, Tatum is one of the coldest Tatum calling uh, DeMar DeRozan one of his favorites and while that's never been on his list uh, if you go and check out my article for heavy.com heavy on bulls you'll see exactly what connection that they actually have that does make a whole lot of sense a really cool moment because like i said man it's just cool to see how much respect demar has around the league and I actually asked a question because of a rejection right we found out from joe cowley that uh that a big reason why the why the Bulls didn't get into the Kevin Durant trade, aside from them lacking the assets and not fitting the profile with their trade package, i.e. a ton of draft picks, to uh, get Durant. Durant and Billy Donovan's relationship is still a, very much in question. Uh, both players, Kevin Durant, remember, had that burner incident where he talked about, you know, he didn't like playing for D- Billy Donovan. Donovan's never really addressed it. Durant apologized, but as Cali pointed out, um, Durant likes to hold a grudge. I wrote about that as well for heavy on Bulls. Be sure to check that out because I really do think that the Bulls are a move away from being a true contender. I like what they're building. I like the culture shift that they have created. Um, but I do think that, that, that we have to get past the sentimentality portion and start looking at it from a pragmatic approach. And, and at that regard, the Bulls are a seriously flawed team. Um, you can say that when they're healthy, you know, they're one of the best teams in the NBA, and that is 100% true. However, they are banking on the health of a few guys at top, what, four of their top five. So you could say that their top five, their closing lineup all has injury or age issues. DeRozan and Vooch, two of the most durable guys, both of them are, are, are beyond 30 years old, 32 years old over, right? 
Zach Levine just came off of arthroscopic knee surgery, his second procedure on his knee. Not as major as the first one, but still, he had a torn ACL before. Still, he's coming off of knee surgery. Uh, uh, Lonzo Ball, still not cleared to go from activities. We don't know when he's going to be back. There's doubts that he could be back for training camp. Still don't know. Right? That injury happened in January. Right? Here we are seven months later to the day almost. No, to the day! Because it was, it was January 14th that he injured himself against the ball, the Golden State Warriors. We're, it's, it is August 14th at this recording. Seven months. Seven months. Lonzo's been out with the bone bruise and that, that, that meniscus. Now, there's optimism within his camp. He'll be ready for the opener, the regular season opener. But training camp is another story, and then, you know, if that's the case, then you got to wonder how long it's going to take for him to build back up. That's why the Bulls signed Goran Dragic in case they have to, you know, go a little bit longer without him and then nurse him along the way to get him into the rotation because you want, as I heard it put, you want him in for the last 60 games more so than you want him for the first 60, which I can't agree with more. Uh, but it does complicate things because the Bulls couldn't trade Kobe because they got to get a certain amount of package back because they think he's this amount of player. But also, he's really insurance for Lonzo because Kobe is the shooter that Dragic is, is not, even though Dragic is a score more than a playmaker. It's all so head spinning because the Bulls are really kind of in this weird position where, you know, they're a really good team. They're not a great team by any stretch. We saw what happened when they go up against the great teams. And for them to be good, to be among the great teams, they need so many things to go right. That and then for them to be fall off, only a few things had to go wrong, and then things kind of tail off. Now you could say you could argue and say, hey, they were in first place after the All Star break, and that's very much a, a real thing. Anybody that watched it knows how much of a slog that down the stretch was because injuries started piling up. Caruso and Ball and and not having Patrick Williams for a bulk of the season honestly threw this team for a tailspin when it when it was doing so well. So if they can all come back healthy for the regular season, I expect the Bulls to be a top. Six team, I want to say top five, and I'm going to go top five because I want to be bold, right? Six to five is bold. But I, I don't think I'm, I'm in the camp that, you know, the East got better, and so your continuity has to come with improvements from a Patrick Williams, from a Lonzo Ball, from an Io DeSumo, uh, an impact, an immediate impact from a Dale Terry because you're going to need those guys because you can't count on a lot of the guys that you have to be ready or to repeat what they did last season. So Bulls are in a very precarious situation right now. We'll see how they get to going. Again, it was cool to see Tatum uh, giving DeRozan that bit of a shout-out there. Like I said in the in the tweet, follow me on Josh G. Buck. Um, it's just really cool to see how much respect DeRozan has around the league. And again, that the Bulls are able to get somebody like that. Now you could say, hey, they paid him, and that, that'll do it a lot. But listening to DeRozan talk, it's definitely not all about the money for him. And I think he could have gotten some kind of money elsewhere or enough of a short term, or a short enough term deal where he could cash in again, uh, coming around this offseason. Cause I just don't, I don't see how he would get passed up again after what he did for the Bulls this past year. So uh, shout-out to Tatum, shout-out to DeRozan. Um, and then, real quick, because we talked about it, uh, Jimmy Butler, there was a, a proposal from uh, Morton Jensen and Brian Tepork on the NBA podcast that I also covered, but I want to talk about Goran Dragic, who finally got a hold or a view of Jimmy Butler's new hairstyle, the dreadlocks. Um, as I wrote for Heavy on Bulls, Jimmy's always had the hairstyle, but... You know, he's also had a unique hairstyle, but he he went above and beyond with the dreads. And it's it's funny because he clearly got extensions. And I think it's part of a promotional campaign for hair care products. But I've only seen the hair care products in the first video and never again, which leads me to believe that might have been part of the process to get the braids installed. And now my man is just out here living his braid life, his dread life. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he feel like he's Ross Clot. I don't know. But it's interesting. Um, Jimmy is definitely... 
definitely out here uh, making the most of his of his his free time in the off season. So uh, shout out to Jimmy Butler, shout out to Goran Dragic. I'm just I, I, this Bulls team. I, I get the the continuity thing. I would like to see it play out, and we'll see how it goes. But that's what they're gonna do. They are they are definitely uh, uh, dug into this this mindset. So we'll see how it plays out for them. Uh, real quick, just touches on, on some other stories around the league. Um, saw a proposed trade wrote about for throwing down south uh, that will bring OG Ananobi down to the Atlanta Hawks. That one got my uh, got my interest going a little bit there because. They were talking about DeAndre Hunter as the trade piece, and while you would think that that's a lateral move, the actuality is Hunter has been so in and out, and they really have both dealt with injury issues. But the experience that we've seen, the proof in the pudding that we've seen from OG in the competitive atmosphere, I think is what gave them the edge in their minds. I'm just not sure that the Hawks are ready to do that for a guy when you got a guy very comparable in DeAndre Hunter that you can say is not yet fully reached his peak yet that could be even greater than OG's. Um, potentially, it's possible. And so I, I'm not sure that the Hawks would ever do that. But it was an interesting trade. Um, DeJounte Murray and, and, and Trey Young been pissing people off. Well, DeJounte Murray's been pissing people off. And the question was asked by my boy Matt Hallett over there at Soren if uh, if the Hawks are going to have the most hated backcourt. It's an idea. But I think that, that more importantly, we'll see them tone it down when they get into the NBA season because you'll get attacked. <laughs> like, it's not even about disrespecting the opponent. It's hurting your team. And I think that that's the biggest thing that will be, be reeled in is that they don't want to hurt the team. So um, it's been funny to see, but I don't think we'll see it for forever. So that's been one thing. And then back into the NFL for some other news. Um, Deshaun Watson, he, he got I, – I, I am here I am with Deshaun Watson. This is where I stand. What he did was wild. I, I'm criminal. I guess the law – the justice system said no. It's wild for sure. It's definitely some wild and weird and you can call it gross. His handling – the handling of his case has been gross in a different way. Um, they had him go through the entire arbitration process or whatever that process was called, the hearings and all that, and he came away with a suspension that he came away with, the six games. The NFL didn't like that, and now they're going for the full year. They're going to come down with it more than likely, it sounds like. If you wanted that, just do it, Um, because you've gone through a lot of effort to kind of remove the veil of transparency and say that, hey, you know, this is how we operate. We're going to do it this way, and we got the independent person to tell. But then when you don't like the ruling, you're just going to come back and say, nope, we're going to do it this way. So then cut the middleman out and give out the punishment that you see fit because it would have been a lot easier, a lot smoother, and now the Browns are going to be dealing with this uh, for a lot longer. It's going to be more complicated, more dis- more 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 things for, to go through for everyone involved because it's just not being resolved because the NFL said, hey, you know what? And I'm not saying that the initial judgment was right. What I'm saying is if you didn't want that possibility, you should have never left it out there. And that's what they did, and that's the problem that I have is that now you don't like the fact that your possibility didn't go your direct your way and you're going to go do something about it because you can. Because you can. That's not fair. So gross all the way around, not trying to make excuses for anybody, but if we're not going to sit there, we just can't act like that's not a wild way for them to handle his very serious matter on top of the fact that no, I mean, it's bad. It's all bad. It's all bad. It's it's really all bad and really kind of disappointing. So um, we'll see what happens again. Nothing really going on in the NBA. Kevin Durant's holding the league hostage. He might go to Philadelphia. Uh, NFL is gearing up for their preseason. He had a couple of rookies booming some punts. The uh, the punter, not rookies, but a couple of punters, sorry, booming some punts. Uh, the Bills punter boomed an 82-yarder, 62 after the touchback, but still that's a nice punt. Um, Malik Willis is going to take Ryan Tannehill's job this year. You can mark that down. 
Um, what else? What else did I notice around the league? Just just excited to have football back. You got one more game, the Vikings and the Raiders going down today uh, on Sunday. On Sunday, so we'll see how that plays out. Week one of the NFL, man, preseason. Not much to show. We'll have a lot more to break down uh, come next week. And then definitely in the third week, I would imagine, we'll have a ton to break down. So we'll do that when the time comes. But I just I just had to get back on and do some cap recap, some Bears training camp recap and breakdown of their preseason opener, and then some Bulls offseason stuff, uh, recap, breakdown, catch-up, outlook, all that kind of stuff, preview, whatever you want to call it, because I do think that uh, they're going to surprise a lot of people. But they're also going to disappoint some people. Bulls are going to be very interesting to keep an eye on this year because I'm not sure that anybody's really uh, accounting for how much better the E's got around them. But then also I think they're getting the Bulls are getting kind of downplayed for how good they were last year. It's weird. It's really, really a weird place for them to be in. We'll see how they perform. Uh, but that's going to do it for this episode of Triple Zeros. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Joshy Buck. Hit up the Facebook page, Clocker Sports website, ClockerSports.com. Uh, email address, ClockerSports at gmail.com. And, of course, you can always follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at 30spod. That's the number three, zeros and pod. And read the stuff. Last run of pro football, uh, uh, soaring down south, heavy on Bulls, him ain't easy. And, of course, you can find everything at clockersports.com and until the very next time I'm excited to see what he does for us this season for sure